Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome to MMA FanCast. This is Luke Basin. I am joined by Ethan, the Wolverine Goss. Ethan, welcome to the program. Uh, Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, This is the third time we've had Ethan on the podcast, and we are uh, really honored to have you back on, Ethan. We had you on before your your first fight with 247 Fighting Championships, which is actually the inaugural event, April 6th in the spring of 2018, you won that fight by rear naked choke in the second round. Um, and then we had you on afterwards to talk about how the fight went, things like that. And now you're back here. Um, going to be fighting November 16th at the Prince Scape arena in Cannonsburg for two for seven fighting championships, which is actually uh, their third event now. Um, but let me have you say what is so what is so exciting about your upcoming fight here for two for seven. There's big news. And I'd love for you to, Go ahead and say it. What is your fight, and why are you so excited about it? Well, first off, it's the main event now. Um, it'd be my first pro main event, headline in a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, it is for the 24-7 World Featherweight Championship. So uh, Very exciting. It's going to be a five-round title fight, which you normally don't see that very often on the regional scene. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, congratulations. I know that when it was first announced, you were the co-headliner, and then somebody got injured and wasn't able to fight. But it was always for the featherweight belt, even when it was a co-headliner. So that was exciting. Um, but what was the conversation like when when the owner um, was setting you up, when Ryan Middleton was, was asking or saying that it was going to be a five-round Fight. What type of conversation was that like, given the fact that, if listeners don't know, there was two previous title fights, one on the first fight and one on the second fight, both involving Kama Death Star Worthy, and both those fights were scheduled for three five-minute rounds. So what, what was the conversation like when they said it was going to be five fives? Um, you know, he told me that uh, John's camp wanted five rounds. Um, wow. And, yeah, and I talked to my coaches, and we agreed with it. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think that, you know, it's not in my favor to go five rounds. For me, I feel like the longer the fight goes, the better I go. Um, but when they, when they said they wanted to do five rounds, I'm like, yeah, sh-, you know, I mean, what the heck, why not? Uh, reason why, like a, a big reason why a lot of guys don't want to do fives, and I'm not saying this was Kama's reason or not, um, and, and it's right. totally justified, is, uh, you know, you, you you agree to a contract to do three rounds, a certain pay to do three rounds. Well, now that you add two more rounds onto this contract, you know, fighters, fighters 
speaking from a fighter standpoint, you know, we feel that we should be paid, you know, extra money for them extra two rounds. As that's right. what we're agreeing to pay. Um, cause we're putting our bodies out there. We're putting our bodies on the line, all that stuff. Um, for me, it's more or less the experience. You know what I mean? I, I see myself, you know what I mean? Fighting on the big shows again, whether it's, a uh, contender series show or right. a Bellator or one, you know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of times you end up in five round fights. You just got to be the main event of a car to be in a five round fight. So I figure why not? Let's do it. It'll be a great experience. So we went with it from there. Well, that certainly is great feedback. Thanks for kind of explaining some of the behind the scenes fighter mindset. Obviously, two more rounds is almost an entire another fight. Six rounds would be an added fight. So it's maybe 75% more of a fight. Um, And I think that's a great attitude you have. I know that you've gone on record saying that you found another groove. You're on a two fight win streak. Your record is five and four. The last time we had you on, you were talking about really learning and, and obviously you're, you're, Second to last win was a knockout. Your last win was a rear naked choke. You're finishing guys. You're taking good named guys. John DeJesus um, has a lot of fights. Uh, he's 10 and 8, 18 fights. He's fought some big names in the featherweight uh, regional circuit and certainly brings a lot of uh, experience and attention into him. And and you, you've also gone on record, you just mentioned it, at the Contender Series, that you, you see yourself progressing you're still young you see yourself progressing um into another organization or at least raising your stakes what what is making you now confident that you are still in the growing and learning stage of your career you know what man just everything just feels good um Mm -hmm. you know i'm in a good place everywhere mentally physically emotionally everything feels good i have no outside distractions um I got, you know, everything at home is great. I got a, I got a wonderful woman that takes care of me. Mm. I got great, great training partners. You know what I mean? Great coaches. Every, everything just seems to be in place. And like, like I said, I said it before. You know, I found my, I f- kind of found myself as a fighter mm-hmm. again. Now I fell into, a, I fell into a, you know, a kind of a rut, uh, and it was more of a mental rut than it was anything. And uh, you know, I tried to tried to be a stand-up guy i tried to you know what i mean i tried to force things and uh, you know once you once you quit doing that and once you get out of that mentality you know they just they just show up um right like i tried to i always every like um, and every fighter wants it i mean everybody wants to get that nice flashy knockout or or yeah. great fancy submission or i mean everybody wants to be a highlight reel but uh you know when i just started being myself i just started doing what i was what i thought to do and listen to the instructions in the corner. Um, you know, everything come together. Uh, I quit hunting for the knockout and I got the knockout. I quit hunting yeah. for the submission and I got the submission. You know what I mean? It's just small steps. It's literally a game of inches. It's small steps that builds up to that process. Absolutely. And, and, and some people might not remember. I, I think you're also referencing back to the April fight when you defeated Elijah Calendar, you did a great job. You got that rear naked choke. I interviewed you after the fight. You talked about being kind of mentally back and being focused. You also mentioned wanting to get back to Cannonsburg and fight for 247 again, which is just so wonderful that here you are again now headlining a card with a title line. So it's really exciting. But, but in that process, you did mention the fact that 
um, that that choke got there. You were in a scramble situation, and you and you you kind of found you found that choke. And a lot of fighters will talk about that being opportunistic. Um, how important is that for you to fight the fight that you need, as opposed to fighting the fight that um, you know that, that you decide on ahead of time? Uh, and you know, it's very important. Uh, it's a chess match in there. And I mean, man, I, I don't care what anybody says. Anybody can say, Oh, I'm going to knock you out or oh, I'm going to hurt you or, or, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to end it in this amount of time, man. You do not know. Nobody knows. I don't know. And John doesn't know what's going to happen in there. One of us might right. get clipped. One of us might not get clipped. Who knows? It might hit the ground quick. It might not hit the ground quick. We don't know. So you have to be prepared for anything mm-hmm. that can happen. And in this game, it's crazy because literally anything can happen. You know what I mean? We've seen a lot of wild stuff happen. Oh, but, uh, you know, I just I just be prepared mentally and physically for everywhere to go. Um, you know, I, I, I envision the fight going, you know, I envision it 5,000 different ways. You know, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's in my favor. Maybe it's in his favor. Maybe something good happens. But I need to be able to react if something bad happens. So, um and, and even in that last fight with uh, Elijah, like, um, yeah. he caught behind the ear with that punch. Yeah. And that was the first time that I had something like that happen in a fight. And in 20 fights, it was the first time I, I felt that feeling. And But I reacted the way that I needed to react. And I was calm. I was comfortable. I felt fine. You know what I mean? I just had to react the right way because if I would have reacted the wrong way in that situation, it would have been over in his favor. Sure. So you, you had said you had said previously on our show, and I think it it's borne itself out in the Elijah fight now coming in to this title fight that, that you had said that even though your record was was probably not as much as, as some people have as far as fights that you were really focused on being well rounded. Um, and, and I and I think that the fight I I saw in April really showed that, and your mindset shows that. And we just saw an example of a fighter who's really not well around in the UFC, Ben Askram and uh, fighting Damian Maya. And I bring it up, not, not to try to jump on the Ben anti-wagon. He might be retired anyhow, but something that, that you said is that you have to be willing to fight the fight where the fight is. And uh, Damian Maya, for his credit, um, said afterwards when he won that, hey, I, my game plan was to make him strike because I wanted him off his game. I wanted him uncomfortable. I wanted him tired by the time it does get to the ground because then he got, caught him in it. What was a fairly easy rear naked choke as far as rear naked chokes go? And, and I think that's a great mindset to have that um, even when you're one of the greatest grapplers to ever do it in MMA like Damian Maya, he has been one-dimensional at times in some of his fights and, and that's cost him. And it, it's interesting to see somebody in his early 40s still recognizing that he has to be he has to be well-rounded and it's great to see you here still in the beginning of your pro career building your reputation that uh you really know the value of being well-rounded and i think i'd ask this to you before but um technique wise what has clicked have you made a change you've mentioned sparring partners you've mentioned coaches and gym has something changed because you had a bit of a rough patch when you were starting um out as a pro and now you've really hit your stride so did, did something change you've mentioned mental but as far as which was great but as far as game planning training techniques sparring coaching what has changed that's helped you in the last let's say three two or three fights uh you know what then just i calmed down Really mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, I, I used to, uh, you know, invite a firefight. I used to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, try to, try to, I just 
some, there was occasions where I would get loud or I would just get off, I'd get off balance or I would get overextended or, and I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I'm working with, um, like, uh, I mentioned it before, Darren Cassidy, now that I work mm-hmm. with Darren Cassidy on the, on the striking, I mean, he's as, as soon as I do it one time, he's screaming at me. You know what I mean? Like you're off balance. You're off balance. You need to get on balance. Like you need to be able to fight on balance. You got so much more power there. You got so much more. Right. Your angles are better. And uh, you know when I and and Darren's the kind of coach that I mean he's like hardcore. Like they wouldn't let him in a high school. Kind <laughs> of you know what I mean? <laughs> grinder. And uh, that was that is my kind of coaching style. That is what I love to have when somebody's somebody like that that's hard nosed and hard on you. Um, Cause he, he doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't beat around the bush about anything. And, uh, you know, his son is the number one ranked kid in the, in the state right now in wrestling. And, uh, I, I work with him every week, you know what I mean? And, and they've taken my wrestling beyond other levels, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I had a great jujitsu coach before in, uh, Jason Dignan, but I haven't really been training with him in the past year and a half or so. But uh, I'm I'm training uh, jiu-jitsu now with Cody Carlheim, which would be Jason's pupil, and uh, Ray Ross, who is uh, a black belt, and he's he's my kind of overall coach. Um, does the, he'll, he'll do the conditioning and uh, mm-hmm. do the groundwork, the grappling and stuff, and uh, he he likes to clinch work and stuff like that. And he's a a black belt in judo and a black belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu. So I kind of do basically two different types of jujitsu, but they're, they're similar. Um, but you know, like I said, just calm, just calming down. You know what I mean? And having these guys there to, to just calm me down. And, uh, you guys all met cam back in, when was that? July cam Allgaier. Oh yeah. Yeah. He made a 135 yeah. debut at the amateur yeah. level, had a great fight. He's yeah. back on the card. That kid is a pit bull. Like he just literally every day he walks in the gym, he has me in the crosshairs and he just wants to beat me so bad. And he will go all night long trying to beat me. And, uh, you know, that really, really, in all honesty, that has made me so much better because it's kept me on my toes. It's kept me, um, working harder, trying to stop because I, I can't let him beat me. You know what I mean? I, I got to keep, got to keep showing him who's the king of the jungle in the gym. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, working with him and uh, we work with Sydney a lot. I also work with bigger guys, um, Sheldon Nyhoff, who he was supposed to be on this card, but his opponent ended up pulling out. I don't know if they found a replacement for him or not. Um, we work with a really good uh, Dutch kickboxer and Brad Mountain, who fought for like lion fights and stuff like that. Oh, I've seen um, Brad uh, Brad Mountain fight. He fought for USKA Fight Sports yeah. back at Allentown. I've seen him fight. Yeah. Yeah, we work with him. He's in the area. Um, and like I said, we just, I mean, everything comes together. We, we, we're we all on the same page. We all know what's going on. And uh, everything comes together in the gym. And I have no complaints. And right now, I feel absolutely amazing. Well, you know, what's interesting when I ask fighters about their, their gym, and it comes up over and over again, you did a great job, is that you have to be willing to learn from everybody. The fact that you pointed out Cam Algar, who was very impressive, his debut was a young kid, teenager, right? Yeah, he's, think he's 19 or 20 now. 19 or 20, so, you know, right, right, still young. And uh, what, what's cool here is you're a pro, 
you've got experience, you've had some nice wins, you're obviously on a fight streak or fighting for a professional bout, and yet you point to a young, hungry amateur who's coming in, who's training right, who's learning right, who's being disciplined, because the reality is in MMA, you have to be willing to learn from everybody, whether it be somebody with a ton of fights, not a lot of fights, people with different skill sets and different experiences. And I think there's a lot of times where just the humility it takes. Now, obviously you talked about wanting to show them and being king of the jungle, but that only, that only works because you're also willing to learn. It's a weird dynamic that I think a lot of times is challenging in, in, in a team. And of course, at the, at the UFC level, we've seen some horrible team splits, probably the most famous would be the John Jones and the Rashad Evans, but there, there's been other team splits, uh, Pat, Platinum Perry and, and Cowboys are running aware. Yeah, but it becomes hard because a lot of times what you hear from people is you hear that th- that person wasn't a team player. And it's interesting. I always try to put, point this out to our listeners is that MMA is an individual sport when you're in the cage, but it's a team sport in your training, in your mentality, going into the corner and talking to your, and talking to your coaches, coming up with a game plan, learning from the people that train around you. You go into that cage with everybody that's helped you. You've pointed out your lady having a solid relationship, being strong mentally and emotionally. We've seen people get thrown off their game emotionally. And so I think a lot of times that's what's so cool about interviewing fighters on this show is we get a lot of fighters that are still at that regional level. And obviously 247, I want to throw that out there, is is doing a great job of showing talent off such as yourself and uh, and Kama, who's now made it to UFC on, on short short notice. And that's obviously a big testimony to Ryan Middleton from 247, putting, putting on fights and putting on cards um, that get noticed. And obviously that's a goal of yours to to keep moving. Um, had you Had you fought, had you won or fought for an amateur belt prior to this, what's it like fighting uh, for a bout and getting some of that name recognition as far as being a title holder? Um, I don't, I don't really think about it too awful much, to be honest with you. Um, okay. It's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's obviously a goal to be able to call yourself a professional fighting championship because at a 99 or at 100% of people, 1%, ends up becoming a pro fighter you know what i mean and being able to be at the pinnacle of that and being able to be a pro champion i mean that's that's unreal it's it's wild it's it's pretty it's pretty insane um you know i i held two amateur titles as uh at featherweight and lightweight um you know what i mean it's just winning the belt's cool but at the end of the day it's about you know, being able to perform the best that I can perform in the cage. Um, you know, you spoke about Ryan and how he's putting on these shows and stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to see Ethan Goss first John to Jesus? Uh, I mean, you know, oh, it's, a huge, it's a huge event. People, huge. People were commenting on it. And I don't, I don't mean to sound arrogant here, but people were commenting on it being like, wow, what a fight. You know what I mean? Because they know we both around. We're both OGs. You know what I mean? John's been, John's been fighting professionally since I started fighting amateur, I think he was a pro in 2012. And, uh, I was going to say, this is his 19th pro fight, fight. So, yeah. And, uh, this would be my 21st overall fight, my 10th pro fight. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, you don't, I mean, when, when you're in, when you're in it that long, you, you almost, you know, in that scenario, you almost, you felt the, the butterfly feelings you've seen, you know what I mean? You've been down that road. 
you felt it. Um, you just do what you got to do. You know what I mean? I, I don't like to think too much into it because I don't like it to get into my head. Uh, but right. when I do speak about it, you know, and I and I tell tell people that I you know I'm getting ready to fight for the 24/7 title, and uh, I tell them, you know, I am going to be the 24/7 featherweight champion. I am going to win this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I speak positivity about it, and uh, you know, I like I said, it just that's really the main things for me. No, that's a great mindset to have. I mean, I think one of the things that's important that that has certainly derailed people mentally or in their behavior is managing success. I mean, a lot of coaching and a lot of athletics and a lot of fighting is overcoming obstacles, you know, hitting a rough patch, losing, um, feeling some type of disappointment, getting a match, and then it falls through. But also, as a particularly in an individual sport like fighting, managing success, what success does to you, managing what the mindset is, because it is healthy to say you are the headliner. It's important to recognize that there's that added level, not only the added level of time, five minutes, rounds, but also the, the stakes. Yes, every fight's important, but, but you want the stakes to get bigger as you fight you want like you were saying you'd love to get on the contender series next year it seems like they do it more in the spring and summertime you'd love to get a record and get noticed it's also important when we mentioned ryan the matchmaker that that you take fights that that are helping you um test yourself and get better a lot of times at the regional level you see guys uh fighting guys that 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 they just take them for the easy match and i think that's great that you're respecting Jesus and talking about him being um, experienced and an OG in it. And, you know, he's been around a long time. This isn't somebody that, that, that is easy. This is somebody that's going to make you better. And it's a big part. It's a big part of the, a championship mindset is the mindset that I'm going to win. And I want it to be something that makes me try to get better and push myself as opposed to, I want the easy fight. So you definitely have a great attitude. Let's do some of your thank yous. You've already shouted out some, some people, but I always want to give you the opportunity in case you have sponsors or anybody um, that you want to uh, thank by name. As we talk about the fact that this fight is still, uh, it's a couple of weeks out still. And um, it's, it's going to be exciting to see you. You, you mentioned last time I had you on that, even though you're from a few hours away, that you have a lot of fans that come out and you, you consider the Pittsburgh Cannonsburg is where the fight is kind of your, your neck of the woods, which is wonderful. And so what, what are some of your thank yous and some of your, uh, your sponsors or anybody you want to, you want to give credit to now, as we, as we talk about that part? Um, I mean, really, uh, I, I definitely got to thank Ray and Ange. Uh, they're the ones that own the gym. Um, they, they, they invest a lot of time into me. Uh, Darren, he invests a lot of time into me. I know he's a busy guy with a busy life and he's got kids in sports and stuff. Um, you know, everybody in the gym too, Cam, Sheldon, Sydney, um, you know, Darren's boy, Caden, uh, you know, everybody, Brad mountain, everybody that I work with, um, even, even past and present and past and present coaches, man. I mean, the guys that I trained with back in the day, I mean, this is all I'm here because of them. Uh, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be because of them, you know, those guys that, that spent the time with me back, back then years ago, you know what I mean? They, they was, I was just a young kid, you know, trying to chase a, chase a dream that, uh, not many people believed in, but you know, the, the select few that did, you know, got me to the point where I'm at today. And, uh, you know, I can't thank them enough for that. I don't really have any sponsors because I hate okay. asking people for money. Oh. Um, 
Well, if anybody's listening and them. they want to sponsor Ethan, reach out to him because it would be I, great I, to get some sponsors. I know life's tough, and like you, you said it yourself. Everybody faces adversity. Mm-hmm. Everybody has moments where they're down, where they're out. Um, you know, when you said that, that immediately it thought to my mind. You know, I lost four fights in a row before. You know what I mean? And that was, that was a crappy time for me. Uh, yeah. I wasn't there mentally, wasn't there emotionally, but you overcome it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, so that, that, that definitely got the wheels turning. But, uh, and like I said, I don't, I don't like to ask people for money because I know everybody falls on hard times and stuff. So if people were willing to sponsor, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I just kind of go about my, go about my stuff myself. Well, that is a great attitude to have. You know, one of the things that can be challenging um, is when, as a fighter, is when you, you allow those external, whether it's trying to hunt down sponsorships, as great as that is, whether it's trying to get people to believe you that this is your dream and that you want to become a champion and you will be a champion. It's a lot of it, it because it's an individual sport. You're not on a team. You have a team around you, but you're not on a, a sports team that kind of protects you. You kind of have to have that mindset that you're going to, you're going to go with the people you've mentioned. You're going to go with the people that are, that are helping you and that believe in you that support you. And obviously something like sponsors, I think it's hard sometimes for listeners to understand that at the regional pro level, um, you know, you, you oftentimes have a lot of juggling acts to do, whether it be doing side jobs or coaching. Some people have full-time jobs or I, I talked to somebody recently on the podcast that actually lives in the gym because his, his coach is giving him an opportunity to live in the gym kind of as like night security he stays there, but it's, his, it's where he lives because he doesn't have, he doesn't have an apartment right now and he's young and it's an opportunity and he's, he's grateful for the opportunity. And sometimes that sounds odd for people to recognize that, you know, part of this MMA journey is being grateful for the opportunity, even though it might not look like somebody else would want to do it. And you also point out something that I probably haven't had people talk about on this podcast before. And that is it's, it's very trendy in MMA. And of course, sometimes it's true to talk about how the change in coaching helped. And that's true at times and, and how getting to a new coach and getting to a new gym helped, but something that doesn't get enough credit. And you pointed out very well is the respect given, even if you end up having to go to a different gym or changing coaches or going a different direction, stylistically, whatever it is, the people that, that trained you on your first punch or your first role in BJJ are forever a part of your journey. Even if your paths, you know, go different ways. It's such an important part because you you had to start someplace. Everybody has to start someplace. And that's a great, that's a great mindset to have. And obviously the people that you were referring to know who they are. And it's exciting to know that it doesn't matter how many championships you win, everybody along the way that comes to your fight, that supports you, even your opponents, that's all part of your journey. Um, That four fight loss streak that you were talking about, that's all part of your journey. It's just really great to see your mindset. Um, We'll we'll plug it again. There's still time to get tickets, make the trip. If you're from uh, Goss's area, if you're from the Pittsburgh area, Ohio, they've been bringing more fighters in from Ohio, Um, but it's, 247 Fighting Championships, November 16th um, at the Princecape Arena in Cannonsburg. And like the Wolverine already pointed out, people are excited to see your fight um, as the headliner, as the main event, as the five-round fight because it's got a lot of buzz. It's very exciting. There's going to be a ton of amateur talent as well as many other pros on the card as well. And uh, it's really a great opportunity to support 
uh, the fighters and the local fight scene. And I think 247 is already showing that, that they mean business as far as putting on great talent. You know, as a fighter, anytime we get to talk like this, it's a time that, you know, we can put ourselves out there. And uh, the more we Absolutely. put ourselves out there, the, the better the better chance somebody like the UFC or Bellator or somebody can, can find out who we are. I don't know who it was. It might have been my MMA uh, news or something like that was talking yeah. about. Yeah, right, it might have been. Uh, but they were talking about how fighters, you know, kind of need that podcast and those interviews to build people talking about it because you can only fight four times a year some people fight more but you know that two to four times a year you have to keep people interested because people like the ufc or just fans it's it's tough because you're grinding away day in and day out i remember once when i was training fighters it was easter sunday i'm a big easter guy but easter sunday night we were training and i remember thinking like nobody knows that nobody knows that we're having a late practice on Easter Sunday so that we can keep people moving and keep people grinding. But that's, that's part of the fighter's journey is that you got to be willing to put the work in when no one's watching. So, but anyhow. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, like where I come from, you know, I live in a town that doesn't even have a stoplight. You know, we're surrounded wow. by cornfield stuff. Um, you know, I'm out, in the, I'm out in the boonies, I'm out in the sticks. And, you know, everybody, everybody that has anything around here is they, they work for it. You know what I mean? So I ain't afraid of hard work. And that, that was instilled in me at a young age. And my, my father, he owns his own excavating business. And I grew up, you know, working for him. And when I was a kid, we'd get picked up from school. We'd get, you know, we'd get let out of school for the summer. He'd pick us up in the dump truck and we'd be going to work with him. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, that was instilled in me at a young age. And, you know, I work a 40 hour job a week, sometimes more. And so, therefore, and I start at 6 o'clock in the morning, so I'm up by 5, 5.30. So, therefore, I can't train, you know, three, four times a day like a lot of some guys can. I don't, like Kama, you know, he, he owns the gym. He can, yeah. he works out of the gym, so he's at the gym. He's there where he can train. Um, me, I don't have that opportunity. But I'm also physically doing something all day long. You know what I mean? So, me training, you know, a couple hours a night, every night, you know, five to six days a week, is is perfect for me um, right it doesn't wear me down it's not too much it's it's not too little you know what i mean and uh you know and, and we never know either like you, I, i'll never say that i'm out working an opponent i'll never say he's not working as hard as me because i don't know um we all work <laughs> we're professional athletes and we worked hard to get where we're at absolutely well that that goes back to the mindset that i think a lot of people want themselves to feel good and say there's no way he's working as hard as i am i mean you're right you you don't know that you can only say i'm doing as much as i can do you know you keep the focus on what you're doing and recognizing that you have to balance your full-time job with training but also recognize the benefits of of the full-time job and says that you are active and you're moving and that's and that's doing it plus it also keeps your mind on something else because sometimes fighters burn out when it's every single day. I mean, there's an advantage to being full-time, like you mentioned, comments and other people, but there's also times where, where mentally that burns you out. I think of, I, I, I think of uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, how he has to do other things than just MMA all the time. Some of it's crazy stuff, but to keep his mind um, just not on one thing all the time. So it's certainly, it's certainly a, a really great opportunity to see you balancing that. Obviously, like you say, you're a hard worker, that, that mindset. I didn't realize that your town didn't have a stoplight. It goes to show, and I think this is what's really exciting too. It goes to show that if you put the work in, 
even in a little tiny town with no stoplight, with a few people, you get a good group around you, you can still have success. And that kind of is the exciting part. If you go way back in UFC history, or at least maybe kind of back with Rich Days Franklin, his first training gym was in a guy's shed. They cleared out the lawnmower and stuff, and that was where he first learned kickboxing, some of the other stuff before he became UFC champion. Obviously, we've gone way past there where guys are training in multi-million dollar gyms and huge, in huge almost resort settings, but I do think that MMA is beautiful in the sense that if you put the work in and, and are disciplined, even in a tiny town where, where it's not really known for a hotbed of MMA, you can do it. I think that is what's exciting about MMA. I think about one of the greatest heavyweights to ever fight, Stipe Miocic, and how he has said over and over again that he's not leaving his gym, he's staying with the gym that got him there. It's not really a well-known gym, or at least it wasn't until he made it as champ. But, but there was a lot of pressure when he first became champ to quit his firefighting job and, and, and get to like a big gym, you know, a well-known gym. And, and I think he's done a lot to say, hey, he's from the town he's from. He wants to focus on, on the, the team that's gotten him there. So we, there's definitely a great mindset out there with a lot of fighters where it is about doing what works for you. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. My graduating class in 2010 had 60 people in it. If, if, that, if that puts it in retrospect for you. That does. That does. Well, you mentioned that you have uh, a busy day and obviously you, you've been on and we appreciate you coming on the show. I, I think that's another thing that we always want to respect as fans is that we, we might see what you do in the cage and sometimes it's super exciting and sometimes it might be frustrating or we don't know what's going on. But the reality is you're living your life. You're getting up at 530 in the morning. You're doing a job. You've got family issues. You've got good things. You've got bad things. And all too often fighters get judged just on what happens in the cage. And really it's about who you are as a person. And I think that's what you've talked about. We've had you on before. You've talked about a lot is that being a mentor and being a be, developing yourself as a person, because some of the greatest fighters or greatest athletes don't spend the time on who they are as an individual. And then it shows in what we might call moral issues or behavioral issues. And I think a lot of times it's because it's that balance of who you are as a person is way more important um, than, than who you are as a fighter, because the better you are as a person balanced, emotionally stable and hardworking, the better you'll be as a fighter. So it's been an honor having you on the show. Um, Ethan, we, we wish you the best. I can't wait to see you on November 26th, uh, November 16th, easy for me to say, November 16th, Prince Cape Arena 247 Fighting Championships.